Welcome to Monday Matters with Holly Cochran. Holly is a wife, mom, coach, and entrepreneur. She wears these and many more hats while running three successful businesses, a gym, online counseling and nutrition program, and commercial cleaning company. She brings a unique perspective to everyday life with her spicy, no-nonsense attitude. Holly helps her clients keep it simple with small tweaks that over time add up to big life changes. With that, let's get on with today's episode. Here's my friend, Holly Cochran, an incredible human you need to be listening to every Monday. Hello, family, friends, and strangers. Welcome to another episode of the Monday Matters podcast. This is Holly Cochran, and today is September the 11th. It's not the day that it's airing. I know that next Monday we have a more fun podcast available for the Broadway Beatdown interviews. So that's happening next week. But I am going to record this today because I have always felt since I started doing this podcast that it's really important for me to talk about what's on my mind, what's in my heart right at the moment. That's the best podcast episodes for me to create. If I'm feeling like I'm forcing it or I'm having to think about what I should talk about, it doesn't come off as well. So today is September the 11th, which means I have been spending some time in reflection because 19 years ago today, I had probably the biggest life-changing um moment, situation, event happened to me. And so I never, I never get through a September 11th without a pause. And while this was all going on in my life, and I was sitting in the emergency room at the Regina General Hospital, I was watching the footage of the 9-11 tragedy. It had been two years, they were doing all the anniversary stuff. And it was just on repeat on the little TV that was up in the corner, I can still see the machine, the pop machine and the chips and this little black TV that I was watching. And on repeat was just tragedy after tragedy and watching those twin towers crumble to the ground over and over and over, knowing full well that I was sitting in the emergency room, um, entering into a huge change in my own life. So I want to just talk about it today because it's been... 19 years and it is still on my heart which means it healing is a huge journey and it takes a long time and I think that there might be other people out there that would benefit from hearing that sometimes it doesn't just take a couple of counseling sessions or a couple of years to go by and everything is fine. It doesn't really work that way. I know that and I hope you know that. So I'm going to tell you a bit about my story in case it resonates with you and it'll help you to understand a little about a little bit about where I come from and how I have become the person that I am based on the life experiences that I've had. So 19 years ago I had been married for a couple of years and we had decided we were ready to have, well, we didn't really decide. I told Corey it was time to have a baby. I told Corey it was time to get engaged. I told Corey it was time to get married. And then I told Corey that it was time to have a baby. I think if we waited for Corey to make some of these decisions, (laughs) we would still be waiting. He would still be thinking about it. Anyway, um, so I was expecting And I had only told a handful of people 
that we were expecting and I had, we had told our parents, I think we waited till like five or six weeks in before we told our parents, but we didn't wait the full 12 weeks by any stretch of the imagination. So our parents knew and all that kind of stuff. And my coworker knew. And so we were, we were expecting, but right from the get-go, basically from the time I realized I was pregnant, something felt off, but I'm a bit of a worrier, less now than I was, but I for sure was back then. And I mean, the minute I peed on a stick, I bought the book, What to Expect When You're Expecting. And I started in chapter one. And in chapter one, they talk about miscarriages and ectopic pregnancies. So of course, I diagnosed myself as having those on a daily. Except that I was having some of these things happening. There had, I'd had some spotting for sure. That's it. I'm having a miscarriage. No, spotting can be normal sometimes in a normal pregnancy. So carrying on. Now I'm having some pain. I'm having some pain on my right side. I just got to stand up from this chair. It's going to make a noise. There we go. I'm having some pain on my right side and I think, okay, that's it. That's the ectopic that I was reading about, you know, localized pain in the left sort of hip flexor area of my body. So now I diagnose myself with an ectopic pregnancy. They're very rare, like very rare. And if you're not sure what that means, it means that the fertilized egg is now developing, but not in my uterus. It's in my fallopian tube. It's, and it's never going to fully develop. You cannot grow a baby in your fallopian tube. So if the pregnancy takes in the fallopian tube, it is not going to be a viable pregnancy. That's what ectopic pregnancies mean. Well, I'm sure I have one, but I continue on. And it's weird because I was kind of lifting weights with one of the other teachers at the school in the morning, just a little bit knowing that I was pregnant. So kind of tailored back, but every time I had any kind of interabdominal tension, like if I was doing a bicep curl that was heavy and I knew I could go heavy with a bicep curl because that was my bicep, not my, but if my core tightened at all, I would feel it down in that right side. Anyway, carried on. It's very rare. No one's believing me. I I tell my doctor that I'm having this pain to my right side. They're like, well, stop lifting weights then. Don't do that. (laughs) Okay, I'll stop lifting weights. That seems like the logical solution to all of this. And I carry on and I get to 11 weeks pregnant and I'm at a workshop in Regina with my coworker who is a wonderful human. And oh my goodness, I start having like major pain. Like it's making me sweat sitting there. And I'm thinking, this is not right. Like I should not be sweating from pain in my 11th week of pregnancy. And so I talked to her about it and I'm like, do you think that's normal? She's like, no, that's not normal. She's a super level-headed human. Thank God for her. She's like, you kind of need to go to the emergency room. So she drives me over to the Regina General Hospital. And, but she has responsibilities. I can't remember if she had her daughter yet or not yet, but anyway, I know she can't stay. I don't want her to stay. I'm fine on my own. Like I don't need anyone holding my hand through this process. So she just drops me off at the Regina General Hospital. This is before we get to text each other ad nauseum. Like I have to then phone Corey. I might even be using the pay phone 
And I get told that he's got volleyball practice, so he can't come pick me up. Just chew on that for a second. But anyway, he has volleyball, so he can't come and pick me up. So I get a hold of my mom, and my mom's going to come into Regina, and she's going to pick me up from the emergency room. I don't know why I thought I was just going to like go to the emergency room and then get picked up. Obviously, there's got to be something that happens in between there. But I was trying not to think it was like a sleepover, right? I'm going to get some medication. They're going to give me some pain medication, and off I'm going to go. So I'm sitting in this emergency room and it is getting worse and I'm watching the 9-11 footage and I can hardly sit because sitting is uncomfortable, but standing is not working at all. And I get to see finally after hours, like I get dropped off there sometime about three in the afternoon and I don't think anyone came and saw me till closer to nine o'clock at night. And I see this doctor and he's not very old either. The two of us are probably about the same age in our 20s. And he says, oh, you probably have a urinary tract infection. Here, pee in this cup. I'm like, no, this is no bladder infection. I have had a few of those in my day. I'm telling you, this pain is not there. It is. And it's very localized. And I'm pointing directly where I'm having this like major tension. And it does not hurt when I pee. I promise you, this is not a bladder infection. Well, ectopic pregnancies are pretty rare. I don't think that's what it is. Pee in this cup and we'll check it out. Okay, fine. So... I go and I pee in a cup and it comes back totally normal. And he says, it's a urinary tract infection. Even though it's not showing up in your urine right now, pretty sure it's a urinary, there's a little bit of blood, which means you could have an infection. I'm going to give you these antibiotics for this infection and we'll book you in for an ultrasound coming up here soon just to check on this pregnancy and see what's going on. And I look at him and I say, I do not have a bladder infection. I'm not taking antibiotics for an infection that is not showing up on any tests. I don't feel like I have an infection. Yes, I'm hot and sweaty, but I'm telling you it's not from a fever. It's because I'm having pain. And he says, here's your antibiotic prescription. Get this filled at the pharmacy here in the hospital before you go home and take two of these pills and off you go. And I am young and I'm naive and I'm not a tainted old grouch like I am now when it comes to the medical system. And I've never had to advocate for my health before. And so I think this guy knows what he's talking about. And he's obviously smarter than me with his big degree. So I go home with my mom. And we only make it to the Chinese food place by Balgoni. And I say to my mom, I have to throw up. You have to stop here. And I go into the bathroom of the Chinese food place. And I am in so much pain. I throw up from the pain in this poor divey Chinese food place. I don't even know if my mom talked to them. I don't know if she came in from the car. I have no real recollection of how it went. I'm pretty sure we didn't buy any Chinese food to say thank you for the public restroom, but the pain was intense. And I throw up and after I throw up, I'm feeling better. The pain kind of subsides a little bit. I can walk again. I'm like, okay, maybe it's the flu. Like maybe I have the flu. Who knows? Maybe I just had eaten something at this conference and it's upset my stomach this much and I just need to get it out. Maybe I'll just go home and puke a few times tonight and I'm going to feel better. So because I feel a little better, instead of going back to Regina with a burst ectopic like I have, we unknowingly go back to Fort Capel and my mom drops me off at home. Corey's home now from volleyball practice, so... He meets me at the door and, hey, 
how's it going? I'm like, not so good. Feeling pretty miserable. And I think I'm going to throw up for the rest of the night and get this stomach flu out of me. So I go and lay on the bathroom floor in my up my house that we're renting. And I'm going to stay there for the night so that I can easily throw up. And there I sleep losing blood. I, I don't actually lose any blood, but I'm bleeding out. And I don't really know it at the time till the morning. And when Corey gets me in the morning, I am weak and unable to walk and not myself at all. And I am still on the floor in the bathroom. I haven't puked again, but I am not doing well. And so this makes him decide he better take me back into the city. So he takes a day off work and we drive back into Regina and I have an ultrasound booked for, I want to say like maybe two in the afternoon or something. But by the time we get to the city, it's 10 o'clock in the morning and they take a look at me and my vitals and they are like, well, let's just get her up to ultrasound now. And they'll squeeze her in, in between appointments today. And then when they get backlogged, they'll know that that two o'clock appointment's already been done. So I go in for this ultrasound and the poor ultrasound technician's face tells me immediately things are not good. And for the first time, I feel like somebody believes me that there's something going on. I've been trying to tell someone that this is not right. And this ultrasound technician, she's also some young, you know, early twenties kid who just finished her ultrasound technicians course. And she's like, Ooh, wow. She goes and gets a doctor right away and things start to move super quick. I don't even know what's happening at this point. I know they brought Corey in to sign some papers. I know they said risk of death as part of one of the things that they were warning him about. The, the surgeon is like washing his hands and trying to talk to me at the same time. And they're telling me that I have to quickly get into surgery. There's like no time. I go from this, seeing this woman's eyes to being prepped for surgery. I don't know how long it took. It might've taken hours, but it felt like minutes and off I go. And I have learned that I had an ectopic pregnancy that was growing in my fallopian tube and it burst and it has torn up my, torn open my fallopian tube. And I have been bleeding out since that Balgoni Chinese food restaurant. That is why the pain kind of stopped a little bit because there was no more pressure there. Um, but yet I was now just losing blood and most people, you'll know that you're losing blood. I never did. I, I never actually did. So I have my surgery and they cauterize the area and they sew me up. And you know where you go after you've had an ectopic pregnancy rupture and you have an emergency surgery? You wake up in the mother baby unit because that's where the nurses know how to deal with you. So I am now sharing a room with two moms and two newborn babies when I wake up. And I can't think of anything more cruel in this world than taking a 20 year old who thinks, or I'm not 20, I'm 27 or something, but taking a young lady who thinks they're about to have a baby soon, totally rock her world and then put her in a room with a couple of newborns as she learns of what's happened during the surgery. Anyway, that's how they do it. And when I wake up, I realize that Corey is freaking out, shitting his pants. He's called my parents, his parents. They've all showed up to sit with him. And our world takes a new direction. 
and I'm now going to be home from work for about six weeks. I've lost that much blood that I can hardly stay awake for an hour at a time without feeling exhausted. And I need to replenish all of my platelets and they don't give me a blood transfusion, which is probably a good thing, but that means I'm going to now need to do this on my own. And I am not aware of all the things that, oh man, if this happened to me today, which it won't, I know, but the things I know about managing my health today and the things I knew back then are not the same. But anyway, I have to recover and I have to do it on my own in this apartment house that we are renting. And at the time, I was going into my third year of being a social worker at Burr Fox, and I thought I was really crucially important to people. I was the guidance counselor and the social worker, which meant like, in, and this all happened September the 11th. Like it's a busy startup time of the year. There's been kids who have been sad and messed up all summer and they are waiting to talk to somebody. There are kids whose timetables are a total gong show and they are not enrolled in the right classes in order to graduate. And it is my job to fix all of these things. I'm like really, really important, according to me, according to me only. I think I'm really important. And so it's not only as my life changing um, as far as the, the plan, and I like a plan and keep to the plan, not only is the plan changing, but I can't do much about it and I can't be as important as I thought I was. And I stay home for almost six full weeks from school. I don't go back till sometime in November after I'm feeling like I, I went for half days and I'd be so tired I couldn't do the other half of the day. And so gradually get back. It's November now and I am back to work full time. And guess what? Everything was fine. Everyone survived and kids got into the right classes and kids found somebody else to talk to while I wasn't there. And teachers, you know, had different presentations come in that I was booked to be doing instead. They juggled things around. Everyone just figured it out. I wasn't as important as I thought. And you know, it's been one of the best lessons I could have ever been given. I truly believe it was a God-given lesson to me early, early in my life because I don't know where I'd be right now without that lesson. I don't know how burnt out of a social worker I would be if God hadn't given me the lesson of everyone's going to figure it out with or without you. It might be better with you, but it will still happen without you. Because from that moment forward, I realized that sometimes I have to do what's best for me first. I designed the rest of my life around that. I've been doing what's best for me and my family first since that moment in time. Work has never been my priority. I love my job and I work hard at it. And people see me as a bit of an overworked person. I see, I hear that. I hear people saying, God, you do a lot. Yeah, I love what I'm doing. So I don't always consider it work. Work and hobbies all intermix in my world. But before work, I figure out what do my family and I need. And I do that first. And it's been this lesson that I've had 19 years ago now that at work, I'm not as important as I think I am. And so I might as well not give it 100% of my life because that's not where I want my energy spent. So that was one of the best things that came from this. I have a few. 
That's why I've called this podcast the the things that I have benefited from, from this. It was a loss on that day, but I gained a ton. And so one of the things I gained was the realization that if putting myself first actually is important and necessary and more beneficial for more people than if I didn't. The other thing that I gained in this situation is a true trust and understanding that my body knows more than I think and that I know more about my body than anyone else does. I am a really good advocate for my health and my body now because I promise you, I promise you, I know what's going on more than you do. I don't care how many letters are behind your name and how stumped I currently may be with what's going on. I still know more than you do about what's going on with my body. And I love that as well. I knew there was something going on and I couldn't get anybody to believe me at the time, but I wasn't wrong. And it's happened other times down the road where I have, there's something going on. I don't know what it is, but I'm not wrong. And I will continue as I age and more things go wrong with me, be able to have that knowledge that, you know what? I know there's something going on. You can run all your stupid tests you want and you can write on a prescription pad if you want. But if I don't think you're right, you're probably not right. And maybe that's super egotistical of me to say. I do have a bit of an ego that way for sure, but I'm not losing it. I believe that I am going to be so in tune with what's happening in my body that when I feel like something's off, it's off. Whether or not I'll be able to get someone to believe me again, I don't know. But I will trust that my body is smarter than I had been giving it credit for and that I know myself more than anybody else does. And the other thing that I feel like I was gifted in this experience is recognizing that healing is such a journey. I want to tell you one other little story about this in case this ever happens to you. So I had no idea that our muscles have memory. Like our, like I thought our memory was just like in our brain. Like, I don't know, but our muscles have memory. And so about four years after this ectopic pregnancy, I am seeing a massage therapist and she's just a wonderful soul. Alice Boxall, if you ever listen to my podcast, just know I love you to pieces. And she would bring her massage table to me in my house, down my slippery driveway in the wintertime and give me massages so that I didn't have to take my babies out. She was just a gem. But one time she was, this was not in my house. This was in her, I went to her office and she was doing a massage and finding all the parts that were tight and sore. And we were just chatting about life in general and maybe even the weather. I don't know. And she started to push on this, the hip flexor, like around the spot where this ectopic pregnancy had ruptured. And I immediately burst into tears, totally unexpected to both Alice and I. I was like a sobbing mess. And I was so shocked. And I thought, what is going on? And she was kind and she had enough knowledge from her massage therapy training to know that, that she had just triggered something. She knew about the ectopic, but 
It wasn't something we were there to be working on. And she just said, listen, I've just triggered a muscle and that muscle's still holding some sadness. It's okay. She just was an amazing person to walk me through it. And I went home completely embarrassed and saying to Corey, oh my God, I was a bawling idiot at this massage and I'm so embarrassed. And, and it happened one other time, again, about eight years later. I had a physiotherapist trying to help me figure out why my psoas muscle was so tight. And I mean, I knew why. And I kept telling them that it's because I've had this go on and I can't seem to sort it out and blah, blah, blah. And again, the minute that just a trigger point and it just felt like this complete gush of overwhelmed emotion came over me. And so I realized, okay, we're eight years into this. I have two beautiful children. Like what is, why am I still going on about this? Like I'm not even really grieving the loss of the, the, the baby at this point. Like I, it was so much anger about not being believed in that doctor telling me that I needed to take antibiotics for this. And just like, I had a lot of anger that just kept coming up. So my journey in healing kept taking a few corners. Like I think I'd be fine. Like years have gone by and then boom, I'd be thrown a corner and I'd loop back around again. And I was like, oh my goodness. And so if you know my journey, you know that pelvic floor started to become a real issue the more I started to lose weight or lift weights, not lose weight, lift weights. And so now I've got these pelvic floor issues and I have incontinence issues and I'm having prolapse issues. And I'm telling you, I don't think, I don't think, I don't know this for sure, but I don't think I would be having all of those things going on with me now, add two hernias to it at this point, if I hadn't had that ectopic pregnancy and this part of my body wasn't just always an issue for me. And I am working through that. Like I have been the last five years, I've done more work about this than I have in the previous 14 years. And it's starting to get better. My pelvic floor is starting to get better. I manage two hernias very well, and I'm still training really well with them. But I honor what my body can do crazy amount. I know when I'm having good days, when I'm having bad days. And I promise you, my emotional state is directly connected and held in my pelvic floor, which it is for so many women. So when I feel like I'm tight there, or if my back starts to hurt, my low back hurts, or my glutes feel tight, it might not be my glutes, probably nothing to do with my actual back. It's all my pelvic floor muscles. And that is where I hold my emotions and I need to check in. I need to slow down. I need to address whatever I'm holding on to. I need to do some breathing, some meditation, some yoga, some relaxation. I need to just pause and sort that out. For many, many years, I never paused and sorted anything out. I just moved a little bit faster to get past it. So if you are moving quickly, trying to get past something, thinking that, if you move just a little faster, you're going to get out the other side better. I don't think it works that way for me. It I know it doesn't work that way for me. It was about the pause and the actual dealing with it. I needed to say, I'm angry that you went to volleyball. And I needed to say, I'm annoyed that you didn't take me back to the city. And as a mom, I totally do not blame 
my mom for not taking me back to Regina after that rupture because I've let my daughter run a uh, race with a broken foot. And my kid was telling me, I think my foot's broken. And I'm like, go run a cross country race. I know that as moms, we screw this up and we do not know. And my mom would never, ever, ever do anything that would put me at harm's way. I didn't want to be angry about any of this stuff, but I had to verbalize it because it needed to be dealt with so that I can hopefully continue on my journey and healing with fewer corners all the time. And I think I am because here we are September the 11th and I am chatting this up on a podcast and I don't feel angry at all, even talking through this story. And as I thought about it being September the 11th, I thought, man, I am doing better than I ever have. And I, my body feels better than it has. Well, I shouldn't say that I did too much on Friday and my legs are kind of sore, but ultimately I know how to manage things better than I ever have. And I think there have been some beautiful lessons that I was given in that moment of tragedy that the more I pause, the more I slow down and the more I, and the more that I reflect on the blessings that I was given that day, the more I am grateful that I have become who I am today. And I really think that without this experience, I would not be. So if you are still listening after this whole big, long story, thank you very much for being part of this journey that I am on. And if there is anything that you need from me, it, while you are processing some of the things that you are going through, if you ever want to reach out and just be able to tell your story because you need to tell your story to somebody because you're at a corner in your journey, then please do. Thank you very much, everybody. Have a fantastic day. Thanks for listening to Monday Matters with Holly Cochran. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to Monday Matters, leave her a review, and share this episode on your social media. Should you have any questions about what you listen to or want more info, reach out and send her a message at K2 Health with Holly on Instagram and Facebook. She loves hearing from her listeners. See you next time.